special trio for our special this morning and all. Uh, have y'all got a name for yourself yet? <laughs> all right. Y'all come around and give us a special song. Just keep pressing on. He's given a promise, and I'm gonna stand on every word His holy word has said, and holding His hand 
spite of the good intentions I've had, sometimes my strength can fail. Though I have tried the very best that I could, my weaknesses prevail. We do appreciate that great special this morning, though. Uh, one other prayer request wasn't mentioned this morning, though, but uh, pray for Brother Michael. He's in a revival at uh, Benton, Arkansas this, you know, uh, I think Monday, Sunday through Wednesday, I believe it is. But he'll be back later on this week, you know. We do have with us Brother Trey Emery, and uh, he's going to come around and lead us at this time. If you would, open your Bibles this morning to Nehemiah 8. I'll kind of be tying into two scriptures today, so if you want to put a finger there on Nehemiah 8 and then flip on over to Psalms 119, I'll be back and forth in between those two passages of scripture. Um, 
this morning I, I've had a thought on my mind and a thought stirring for quite some time now, especially as our church is getting ready, preparing for revival. I, I want to talk about what we really need. And uh, absolutely, revival is what we need, each of us. In uh, Nehemiah 8, I see this instance where the people become alive again. The people become, they turn back to God. And I want to just take that and pick it apart and see what aspects that they had that we need to grasp. And as we do that this morning, we'll start in Nehemiah 8 and verse 1. And all the people gathered themselves together, one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. The people had come out of Babylonian captivity. They had rebuilt their walls, established a significant town. And now they're asking Ezra to bring out the law. Also, the law you can look at is the word of God. It is what they had, and that, that was their word, the law. And, and they, they asked Ezra to bring it forth because they wanted to hear from it. And isn't, isn't that what we come to church for? Is to hear a little bit from the Word of God, to learn a little bit about it, to apply it to our lives. You know, I was thinking about that this morning. If it wasn't for the Word, there wouldn't be a big point in being here this morning. And the same is true with these people. They wouldn't be God's chosen. They wouldn't be anybody if it wasn't for God establishing his covenant with them. It was through God's word that they had significance. They looked to the word for the leading in their lives and for their daily living. And they longed to hear from it. In Psalms 119, the other passage I told you about. We get a glimpse from the psalmist here of how he looked at the Word. If you go through and you study Psalms 119, it is all about the Word, which happens to be the longest chapter in the Bible. So there's, there's something significant here about God's Word. In Psalms 119 and 140, it says, The Word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. He loves it. He's a, he adores it. And a matter of fact, if you look at Psalms 119, verse 147 through 148, it says, Mine eyes prevent the night watches, that I might meditate in thy word. Hear my voice according to thy loving kindness, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgment. The psalmist here, he was saying, it keeps me up all night. I just love to meditate in it. I love to look at it. I love to just see what the principles in it, how they can apply to my life. And I think about us. Do we really long for the Word that much? Enough that it keeps us up at night, that it, it, we adore it. You know, you can ask Brother Jeff. He's relayed this story to me quite some time. When I was a little kid and the church presented me with my Bible after my salvation, I... I, I it was just a Bible. And I, I took that Bible and, you know, I brought it to church regular. But one Sunday night, I lost that Bible. 
And let's just say my dad didn't let me forget it. And Brother Jeff used to ask me, say, Trey, would you come help me move a table? Would you come? And I'd say, yeah, sure. And I'd always keep my Bible right here. And he'd say, why won't you put it down? I said, I'm scared of what my dad would do to me. (laughs) And I, I thought about that this week. And I thought about, you know, what David's talking about. And he truly adored his Bible or his word. He, he kept up his, he stayed up at night, long hours before certain watches, just to look at the Word of God. He truly longed for it. And I think that us as a church, you know, a lot of our churches today seem like they have the idea that you need a good orator as a preacher. You need certain amount of songs. You need all this. But truly, I believe what we need is a longing for God's Word. And the question is, do we long for it near enough? When we are faced with difficult difficulties in our lives, where do we turn? Where do we look for guidance? Do we find comfort and pleasure in His Word? But not only did they long for His Word, but they had respect for His Word. Back in Nehemiah 8, we can look at verse 2 and 3. It says, And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and that all that could understand with understanding, that could hear with understanding, upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of the people were attentive Unto the book of the law. Now, if you will, skip down to verses 5 and 6. It says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen. With lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. I read this passage and I think of where was the song service? Where was where was anything but the reading of the word? And these people immediately lifted up their hands. They bowed their heads and said, Amen, Amen, and worshiped the Lord. They had this attentive about themselves. They, they, they listened from morning to noon. They, they were they were willing to just listen. Because it was the Word of God. Half a day spent reading the Word and some of us would be snoring. I know, probably, I'll confess. But showing their reverence to the Lord was very important. And then we see there in verse 3, not only do I use the word attentive lightly, but it says, all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. They respected the law more more than just any other book, more than just any other piece of literature. They wanted the word. And they stood up and they bowed their heads, showing reverence to the word. They knew it was God's word and not just any other book with authority. It was the authority. And then they worshiped. They knew the word was powerful. In Hebrews Uh, Chapter 4, 
we get a glimpse of this power. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And then flipping over to Ephesians six seventeen, it says, And came and preached peace. That's not chapter 6. Chapter 6 in verse 17, it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's very interesting to me that the people, they built their city, they, they have significance, they, they set up a township, as you could say, and as soon as all that, they desired the Word. And I, I, I believe that this is what they were doing. They had set up the walls, they had done all this, and now they had to establish their authority. How are we going to govern our town? How are we going to fight other towns and everything else? How are we going to deal with that? We're a new country, we're weak, we're vulnerable. What do we do now? They said, we're going to take the Word of God and let it fight for us. In Psalms 119 again, in verse 139, I love the way the psalmist describes this. My zeal hath consumed me because my enemies have forgotten thy words. He says, I'm mad. Everybody else is going against your word. Everybody else is defying what you've said, God. I'm mad about it. And I think of so many times we go through life and we see sin and it doesn't even concern us. We just we just seem to turn the cheek and go on with our lives. But guys, it is that. It's totally against this word. And if we really and truly reverence this word, we will stand up for it. That's what Paul is saying there. I respect it to the point that I become angry when I see people defiling this word. That's, isn't that what Jesus did? He went into the temple and he said, you will not make this this. You will not make this a place of buying and selling. Because my word says it's not going to be that. He stood up for the word. And what about us? Do we cherish the book that God has given us? The book that God has kept? For years and years and years, do we cherish it enough to actually stand up for it? Do we use it as a weapon to break down obstacles of sin that come in our way? And do we really trust it? Over and over again in Psalms 119, this is exactly what David says. He says, quicken me with your word. Matter of fact, in 119 in verse 50, he says, This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy words hath quickened me. That word quicken means to make alive. 
And I think as we are on the brink of having revival here at this church, what more do we need? The word was enough to make David come alive. Is it not enough to make us come alive? I believe, honestly, that it is enough. I believe that this word is enough to convict a man and to lead him to Christ. They respected the word. They longed for the word because it was powerful. It can make you come alive. Not only that, but they rejoice at the word. Have you ever seen a church in full revival? And man, just the fellowship among the church is awesome. And people are just excited about coming to church. And things are going awesome. I love to see a church like that. And here in Nehemiah 8, we see an awesome example of that. In verses 9 through 12. It says, And Nehemiah which is the Tish, Tishatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled at the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great mirth, because they had understood the words that were declared Unto them. There in verse 12, it just lays it down plain and simple. They had all this fellowship. They had all this great rejoicing because one thing, they understood the words that were said. The people, they started weeping as they heard the words. It wasn't, it wasn't Ezra. It wasn't the place they were gathered. They were Gathered in just a normal place. I mean, it was this water gate. It was the word that made them weep. It was the word that made them rejoice. They had missed the word. They'd been in Babylonian captivity for so long. And now they could be free and do the things that they had done prior to captivity. They could hear the word of the Lord. And they rejoiced over it. Verse 12, it talks about them having fellowship. As a matter of fact, Ezra says, you know, when you go out, have good bread, have, have this food, have this drink, but also to the people who don't have anything, give them some too. This isn't just a rejoicing that you and I can, can come together and do, but all the world can have this same rejoicing if they will just accept the Word of God. In Psalms 119, in verse 162, it says, I rejoice at the word as one that findeth a great spool. I love those words. When's the last time we considered the word of God a great treasure? 
You know, this word can captivate you. It can take you and just lead you down directions that you thought you'd never go. Because it's inspired of God. But this book, as we open it, as we study it, do we really consider it as a treasure? That's what the Psalms here says. As I read it, as I study it, it becomes a great spool. I, I love it. It's, it's, a, it's just awesome. And it truly is. It was given to man to guide and direct and to influence him. And do we allow it to do its job? It takes study. It takes time. But it will direct you. And it will influence your life. In John 1 and 14, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The completion of this Word was right there. Jesus Christ. Everything it pointed to and everything that was referenced back to in the New Testament Right there in Jesus Christ. The completion of it. And ultimately, the Jews, what did Jesus say? He said, you know, you accept this, and you've been taught this, I know you've heard this, but I'm going to tell you what's right. Because Jesus knew that tradition, that all of that fell short of the ultimate meaning of the Word of God. And He said, I want you to get it right. I want you to truly know what this word means. And when we have that desire, when we have the desire to truly know what the word of God means, I think we will experience true revival. And John 1, as our song minister comes, as we get ready for a hymn of invitation, and John 1 it says, He came unto his people and they accepted him not. The completion of the word, the very seal that makes this authoritative. That says, you know, Jesus Christ was the God who we were looking at, looking for. That's what this points to. They rejected him. And let me tell you, if you've not accepted him, it would be a sad occurrence for you to reject him.